Chapter Twenty Three of Darnley by G. P. R. James. The Slipperbox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Three. A spirit fit to start into an empire and look the world to law. He, full of fraudful arts, this well-invented tale for truth imparts. Dryden. We must now, for a while, change our place of action and endeavour to carry the mind of the reader from the sweeter and more tranquil scenes of Richmond Park, one of the most favoured residences of Henry the Eighth, to York Place, the magnificent dwelling of that pampered child of fortune, Cardinal Wolsey. His progress, his power and his fall, his arrogance, his splendour and his vices, all the many changes that may be traced to his government of the realm, or to his artifices with the king, and of which to this day we feel the influence, changes which, though beneficial in their effects, like many of our most excellent institutions, originated in petty passions or egregious errors. In short, all his vast faults and his vast powers have so often called the eyes of the world to the proud prelate, that he seems hardly one of those remote beings which the cloud of past centuries has shadowed with misty indistinctness his image as well as his industry is familiar to the mind's eye he lives he moves before us starting out from the picture of the times of old to claim acquaintance with our memory as something more tangibly real than the vague undefined forms that float upon the sea of history such skilful pens also have depicted him in every scene and situation that it becomes almost unnecessary and perhaps somewhat presumptuous to say more concerning him than that which strictly interweaves itself with the web of this tale york place which as every one knows was afterwards called white hall though it offered an appearance very different from the building at present known by that name stood nearly on the same spot which it now occupies surrounded by splendid gardens and ornamented with all that the arts of the day could produce of luxurious or elegant so far from yielding in any degree to the various residences of the king it surpassed them all in almost every respect the combination also of ecclesiastical pomp with the magnificence of a lay prince created in the courts and round the gates of the palace a continual scene of glitter and brilliancy whether it were deputations from abbeys and monasteries the visits of other bishops the attendance of noblemen and gentlemen come to pay their court the halt of military leaders with their armed bands prepared for service and waiting for command still bustle activity and splendour were always to be met with in the open space before the building on every morning when the fineness of the weather permitted such display there were to be seen passing to and fro the rich embroidered robes of the clergy in all the hues of green and purple and of gold the splendid liveries of the cardinal's own attendants and of the followers of his visitors the white dresses of the soldiery traversed with the broad red cross of england the arms of the leaders and the many-coloured housings of the horses while above the crowd was often displayed a high-wrought silver cross or the glittering crook of bishop or mitred abbot 
borne amongst banners and pennons and fluttering plumes it was on a morning when the scene before the palace was full of more than usual life owing to the arrival of the cardinal the night before from york which was be it remarked one day earlier than he had been expected that sir payan welton rode through the crowd to the grand entrance he was followed by ten armed attendants the foremost of whom were cornishmen of that egregious stature which acquired for their countrymen in the olden time the reputation of sprouting out into giants these two sir payan had sent for expressly from his estates in cornwall not without a purpose and now having dressed them in splendid liveries he gave orders for his train to halt at such a distance as to be plainly visible from the windows of the palace dismounting from the horse at the door he gave him to his page and entering the hall passed through the crowd of attendants with which it was tenanted and mounted the grand staircase with that sort of slow determined step which is almost always to be found in persons whose reliance on their own powers of mind is founded in long experience and success the number of people whom he met running up and down the wide staircase with various papers in their hands announced at once the multitude of affairs which the cardinal was obliged to dispatch after his long absence at york and foreshadowed some difficulty in obtaining an audience here was a sandaled monk slowly descending from what seemed some disappointed suit there a light courtier hurrying forward in fear of being too late now the glad look of a satisfied applicant now the vexed mien of one whose expectations were delayed while ever between the familiar servants of the place glided to and fro on their various errands passing coldly amongst that crowd of throbbing bosoms as beings apart whose feelings had no community with the hopes the fears the wishes and all the thronged emotions which were then excited or destroyed following one of these into the waiting-hall at the top of the staircase sir payan found it crowded almost to suffocation with persons staying for an audience either from wolsey himself or from one of his secretaries above their heads appeared a misty atmosphere of condensed human breath and all around was heard the busy buzz of many voices murmuring in eager but whispered consultation the hall was a large chamber cutting directly through the centre of the house with a high gothic window at each end to the right and left of which at both extremities appeared a door the one opposite to that by which sir payan entered stood open though a small wooden bar prevented the entrance of the crowd into the room beyond which was occupied by six or seven ordinary clerks busily employed in filling up various papers and speaking from time to time to the persons who presented themselves on business at each of the doors at the other end of the room stood an usher with his rod and a marshal with his staff opposing the ingress of any but such as the highest rank or personal interest entitled to enter beyond the porch of the temple for there the right-hand path led to the privy chambers of wolsey himself and to the left to the offices of his principal secretaries 
it was round this left-hand door that the crowd took its densest aspect for many who were hopeless of obtaining a hearing from the cardinal himself fondly flattered themselves that their plaint or petition might reach his ear through his secretary if either by bribe or flattery they could secure an interest of the secondary great man winding in and out through the meandering path left by the various groups in the hall sir payen approached the door which led to the cardinal's apartments and demanded admission there was something in his tone which implied right and the usher said if he would give his name he would inquire though an applicant who had remained long unlistened to audibly murmured his indignation and claimed to be admitted first sir payen cast upon him a cold look mingled of pity and contempt and passed through the door which the usher now held open for his entrance the room at which he arrived was a large ante-room occupied by various groups of lords and gentlemen attached to the household of the cardinal who prouder than royalty ever needs to be would at least be equal with the king himself in the rank of his various officers these were scattered about in various parts of the room talking with the select visitors whom the ushers had permitted to enter or staring vacantly at the figures on the rich tapestry by which they were surrounded wherein though scrutinized a thousand times they still found sufficient to occupy their idle eyes while waiting till the minister should go forth with almost every one he saw sir payen was in some degree acquainted but in their bow or gratulation as he passed there was none of the frank cordial welcome of regard or esteem it was simply the acknowledgment of a rich powerful man whose only title to reverence was in his influence and his wealth and in the centre stood lord darby and to him sir payen approached with a good morrow my good lord sir said the earl looking him steadfastly in the face for a moment then turning on his heel he walked to the other end of the room nothing abashed sir payen kept his ground tracing the young lord with his eyes in which no very amicable expression was visible and then after a moment he approached a small table near the door of the minister's cabinet whereat was seated a clerk whom as it so happened sir payen himself had recommended to the cardinal can his grace be spoken with master taylor demanded the knight as the clerk bowed low at his approach he is busied honoured sir replied the man with a second profound reverence in conversation with the prior of his abbey of st albans on matters of deep importance a loud laugh from the chamber within reached sir payen's ear through the door by which he stood but he took no notice of this comment on the important business which wolsey was transacting and the clerk went on i am sorry to say sir also that there are five or six persons of distinction who have waited on his grace's leisure for near an hour but the cardinal sent for me said sir payen and besides and he whispered something to his former servant which seemed convincing in a minute or two after the door opened and the prior of st albans issued forth rustling up to the table in his rich silk robes he said to the clerk in a low and important voice his grace commands you to send in the person of the highest rank that came next 
well holy father said the clerk rising and then appearing to search the room with his eyes he waited till the prior was gone when turning to sir payan he added in a loud voice sir payan walton the lord cardinal is waiting for you the knight instantly proceeded to the door which was opened by one of the ushers who stood near and passing on he found himself directly in the presence of the cardinal who seated in a chair of state waited the next comer with a countenance prepared to yield a good or bad reception according to his rank and purpose he was at that time not apparently much above fifty-five tall erect and dignified with a face replete with thought and mind and a carriage at once haughty and graceful his dark eye was piercing and full of fire and lurking about the corners of his mouth might be seen the lines of unbounded pride striven against and repressed but still existing with undiminished force the robes of bright scarlet satin which he wore without any other relief than a tippet of rich sables made his cheek look almost ashy pale and the shade of the broad hat which covered his brow gave an air of pensive solemnity to his features which joined with the fire of his eye the pride of his lip and the knowledge of his power invested his presence with an impressiveness not devoid of all as sir payan entered wolsey's brow gradually contracted into a frown and fixing his glance full upon him he let him stand for several moments before he motioned him to a seat at length however he spoke sir payan walton said he i have sent for you to speak on many subjects that may not be very agreeable for you to discuss however as they concern the welfare of society in the fame of the king's justice they must be inquired into nor must any man's rank or wealth shelter him from the even eye of equity your grace hardly does me justice replied sir payan resolving to keep to vague professions till he had ascertained as far as possible what was passing in wolsey's mind had i been unwilling to discuss any part of my conduct with your grace should i have importuned your gates every day for the last week in hopes of your return and if on the most minute investigation i found any of my acts which would not meet the eye of equity itself should i voluntarily present myself before the cardinal of york you were sent for sir payan replied wolsey last night the messenger set out by your grace's pardon said the knight if you but calculate you will find that i could not have come from a far part of kent in so short a space of time it is true that i have received the packet but that was only by sending last night to know if you had then returned my servant met your messenger at the very door and received the letter intended to be sent to chillum but every day as i have told your grace since i have risen from a bed of sickness where a cross accident had thrown me i have not ceased to seek your presence on business of some import wolsey long accustomed to encounter every species of wily art was not to be led away by the exhibition of a new subject and pursuing his first object he proceeded we will speak of that anon at present it is my task to inform you sir that various are the complaints petitions and accusations against you that daily reach my hand 
and many prayers have been addressed to his royal grace the king by the very best and noblest of the land to induce him to re-establish the house of fitzbernard in the lordship and estates of chillam castle all these things have led me to inquire as indeed is but my duty as chancellor of this kingdom into the justice of your title to these estates when i find that the case stands thus the earl of fitzbernard in the last year of his late majesty's reign was accused by those two infamous commissioners empson and dudley and was upon the premises condemned to the enormous fine of one hundred thousand pounds under the penal statutes and as a still further punishment for some words lightly spoken the king then upon his deathbed recalled the stewardship of dover castle which involved as was supposed the forfeiture of chillam castle and its lands was it not so it was so far your grace replied sir payan but allow me to observe hush said the cardinal waving his hand hear me and then your observations if you please such being the case as i have said and the wide barony of chillam supposed to be vacant the stewardship of dover castle with those estates annexed is bestowed upon you how or why is not very apparent though the cause alleged is service rendered in the time of perkin warbeck now it appears from some documents placed in the hands of lord dacre of the north by the duke of buckingham that chillam castle was granted to fulbert de douvres at a period much subsequent to the grant of the stewardship of dover that it was totally distinct and held by tenure of chivalry in fee and unalienable except under attainder or by breach of tenure what say you now sir payen why simply this your grace replied sir payen boldly that the good duke of buckingham the noble duke of buckingham as the commons call him seems to be nearly as much my good friend as he is to the king his royal master or to your grace and knitting his brow and clenching his teeth he fixed his eyes upon the rose in the shoe remaining sternly silent to let what he had said and what he had implied work fully on the mind of the cardinal wolsey's hatred to the princely buckingham was well known and sir payen easily understood that hatred to be the most maddening kind called jealousy so that not a word he had said but was meted to the taste and appetite of the cardinal with a skilful hand the minister's cheek flushed while the knight spoke and when after implying by tone and look and manner that he could say no more sir payen suddenly stopped and bent his eyes upon the ground wolsey had nearly burst forth in that impatient strain of question which would have betrayed the deep anxiety he felt to snatch at any accusation against his noble rival checking himself however the politic churchman paused and seemed to wait for some further reply till finding that sir payen still maintained his silent attitude of thought he said have you any reason sir to suppose that the duke is ill-disposed towards his grace the king of myself i speak not his envy touches me not personally but where danger shows itself towards our royal master it becomes a duty to inquire your insinuations sir payen were strong you should be strongly able to support them i know not your grace replied the knight with the unhesitating daring that characterized all his actions 
how far a man's loyalty should properly extend but this i know that i am not the tame and quiet dog that fawns upon the hand that snatches its mess from before its muzzle what i know i know what i suspect remains to be proved but neither knowledge nor suspicion nor the clue to guide judgment through the labyrinth of wicked plotting will i furnish to any one with the prospect before my eyes of being deprived for no earthly fault of my rightful property granted to me by the free will of our noble king henry the seventh an ominous frown gathered upon wolsey's brow and fain would he have possessed the thunder to strike dead the bold man who dared thus to withhold the information that he sought and oppose him with conditions in the plenitude of his power you are gifted with a strange hardihood sir cried he in a voice the slight trembling of whose tone told the boiling of the soul within did you ever hear of misprision of treason say i have your grace replied sir payen whose bold and determined spirit was not made to quail even before that of wolsey acting however coolly and shrewdly he was moved by no heat as was the cardinal and though calculating exactly the strength of his position he knew that it was far from his interest to create an enemy in the powerful minister who sooner or later would find means to avenge himself at the same time he saw that he must make his undisturbed possession of chilham castle the price of any information he could give or that he might both yield his secret and lose his land i have heard your grace he said of misprision of treason but i know not how such a thing can affect me first treason must be proved then it must be shown that it was concealed with full knowledge thereof doubts and suspicions your grace knows are not within the meaning of the law sir payen paused and wolsey remained in silence as if almost disdaining to reply the knight clearly saw what was passing in his mind and continued after an affectation of thought to give the appearance of a sudden return of affectionate submission to what he was about to say but why your grace why cried he cast away from you one of your most faithful servants why must it be when i have waited at your door day after day to give you some information much for the state's and for your grace's benefit to know that the very first time i am admitted to your presence i find my zeal checked and my affection cooled by an express intention to deprive me of my estates nay sir payan said wolsey glad of an opportunity of yielding without compromising either pride or dignity no such intention was expressed you have mistaken entirely i only urged these reasons that you might know what had been urged to me and i was about to put it to you what i could do if the young lord darnley came over to this country and claimed these estates for probably the old earl will not have energy enough to make the endeavour what could i do i say let him proceed by due course of law my lord replied sir payen the calculation in whose mind was somewhat to the following effect though passing more rapidly than it could when embodied in words before his claim is made in law thought he he shall taste of the axe of the town or i am mistaken 
however i will not let wolsey know who he is for then my interest in the business would be apparent and i could claim no high recompense for ridding myself of my own enemy no i will crush him as osborne morris a perfect stranger to me then will my zeal seem great pride will prevent him from owning his name till the death and if he does own it his coming here concealed joined to the crimes that i will find means to prove against him shall but make him appear the blacker such was the train of thought that passed instantly through his mind while with an affectation of candour he replied let him proceed by due course of law my lord then if he succeed let him have it in god's name all i ask is that your grace will not moot the question for one word by the great wolsey throws more weight into one or other of the scales of justice than all the favour of a dozen kings wolsey was flattered but not deceived however it was his part not to see at least for the time and though he very well understood that sir payan would take special means to prevent the young lord from seeking justice by law he replied all that i could ever contemplate sir payan was to do equal right to any one that should bring his cause before me it is not for me to seek out occasions for men to plunge themselves in law and be you very sure that unless the matter be brought before me in the most regular manner i shall never agitate the question which is one that even should it be discussed would involve many many difficulties from what i say now you may see sir that your haste has hurried you into unnecessary disrespect which heaven knows i feel not as regards my person but as it touches my office i am bound to reprove you most deeply do i deplore it replied sir payen if i have been guilty of any disrespect to one whom i reverence more than any other on the earth but i think that the information which i have to communicate will at least be some atonement i have then my lord he proceeded lowering his voice i have then discovered by a most singular and happy chance as dangerous a conspiracy as ever stained the annals of any european kingdom and i hold in my hand the most irrefragable proofs thereof together with the names of the principal persons the testimony of several witnesses which bears upon the subject and various letters which are in themselves conviction i will now with your grace's leave at that moment one of the ushers opened the door of the cabinet and with a profound reverence informed wolsey that the earl of Knoll desired to know when he could have an audience as he had been waiting long without ha what exclaimed the cardinal his eye flashing and his lip quivering with anger at the interruption am i to be disturbed each moment tell him i cannot see him i am busy i am engaged occupied on more important things were he a prince i would not see him and you beware how you intrude again now sir payen speak on this is matter of moment indeed what was the object of this conspiracy nothing less i can conceive my lord than to make the commons dissatisfied with the government under which they live to incite them to various insurrections and if possible into general rebellion under favour of which my lord duke of buckingham might find his way to the throne 
at least there are fixed his eyes ha ha my proud lord of buckingham said wolsey with a triumphant smile what hast thou wired thine own feet but you say you have proof sir payen we must have full proof but you are not a man to tread on unsteady ground your proofs are sure he reiterated with a feverish sort of anxiety to ascertain that his rival was fully in his power in the first place read that my lord said sir payen putting in his hand one of a bundle of papers that he had brought with him that is the first step why what is this cried wolsey this is but the deposition of henry wilson of pencrichton in the duchy of cornwall who maketh oath and saith that the prisoner osborne maurice alias sir osborne maurice is the man whom he saw at the head of the cornish miners in insurrection on the third of january last and who incited them by cries and words to burn and destroy all that came in their way till they should have satisfaction in everything that they required but for the further acts of the said osborne morris he the deponent begs leave to refer to his former depositions taken before sir john borlam knight of the city of penzance in cornwall only upon oath he declareth that the said osborne morris now present is the ringleader or conductor of the mob mentioned in his former deposition in witness whereof ha said wolsey thoughtfully there is one i find of this same name sir osborne maurice who during my absence has crept into the king's favour surely it may be the same on my life my lord the very same cried sir payen twas but the morning before last that at the just at richmond i saw him with our noble king his chosen companion with the duke of suffolk to keep the barriers against all comers and there he ruffled it amongst the best swimming as twere at the top of the wave then we will lay this on his head said wolsey placing his forefinger emphatically on the paper and that shall sink him but how does this touch the duke of buckingham your grace shall hear replied sir payen this wilson who made the deposition you there hold came to me one day in the last of march you must know he is my bailiff and told me a sad story of his woeful plight how in a cottage hard by he had met the man whom he had seen burn down his father's house in cornwall and who was there employed in the same devilish attempt to instigate the peasants to revolt wilson it seems accused him whereon being a most powerful and atrocious traitor he struck the bailiff to the ground and left him for dead this being sworn on oath before me as a magistrate i sent forth and had the villain arrested after a most desperate struggle with the intention of sending him to cornwall i had him committed to the strong-room of the manor but somehow during the night he contrived to escape through a window and made his way to the court but still sir payen interrupted the cardinal this does not implicate the duke of buckingham who as i have good reason to believe is but a scant lover of our royal king and towards myself bears most inveterate malice i have heard many a rumour of his plots and schemes but it is proof sir payen it is proof that we must have and proof your grace shall have replied the knight counting the hatred that wolsey bore towards the duke as his own gain 
and enjoying the inveteracy of his malice not only with the abstract satisfaction of fellow-feeling but as a fisherman delights to see the voracious spring of the trout at the fly he casts before his snout let your grace listen to me for my story though somewhat long is nevertheless conclusive this osborne morris in his escape left behind him the leathern horse-bags with which he rode when he was taken and in my capacity as magistrate i made free to open them you did right you did right cried wolsey almost forgetting his dignity in eagerness what did you find say sir payen what did you find i found several letters from his grace the duke of buckingham answered sir payen being principally written to bring this sir osborne morris to the knowledge of persons about the court recommending him as one that may be trusted your grace will mark those words may be trusted but amongst the rest was one which shows for what he may be trusted behold it here my lord you know the duke's hand and style and he presented the letter to wolsey the cardinal snatched it eagerly but remembering himself he turned more composedly to the address and read sir john morton ah cried he so an old perkin warbeckist the last i believe alive but for the contents trusty and well-beloved friend hmm 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 everlasting friendship of course one traitor loves another but let us see how the daring villain to inform you that before another year arrive my head shall be the highest in the realm at least so promises sir osborne morris whose promises as you know are not such as fail ha sir payen ha did you read it this is treason is it not by my life the duke's own hand but what says he further ha the butcher's cur wolsey has long wanted the lash and he shall have it soon see you how rank is his malice we will read no farther this condemns him and as for sir osborne morris to-night he shall have his lodging in the tower though other proof might be deemed superfluous said sir payen yet my lord when i came to the part where he called your grace a butcher's cur and the knight dwelt somewhat maliciously on the words my zeal and affection for your grace's service made me instantly resolve to track this osborne morris on his journey after escaping from prison in person i could not do it for a fall from my horse laid me in my bed for three weeks but i took care that it should be done and found that he returned straight to my lord of buckingham's from thence he went to the benedictine abbey at canterbury where he seems to have been sent to escort a lady katrine bulmer to the court then passing by rochester he had an interview with the chief of the rioters at hillam green your grace will be at no loss to know how and by whom that memorable tumult was instigated then he pretended to save a good simple priest from the mob but by the clergyman's own account they gave him up at a single word from this morris which shows what was his influence with them for they were the moment before about to hang the man they yielded so quietly after the priest is at my lodging here this was the traitor's last adventure before arriving at the court where either by some sorcery or other damned invention he has bewitched the better judgment of the king so that none is so well loved as he 
perhaps he waits but an opportunity to put his dagger in our royal master heaven forbid cried wolsey we will instantly set off for richmond without there let the barge be prepared directly sir payen you have saved the realm and may claim a high reward the reward i most affect replied the knight in a well-acted tone of moderation is simply to remain in quiet possession of that which i have life is now wearing with me your grace and i covet not greater charges than those which i enjoy let me but be sure of them rest tranquil on that point replied wolsey i will look there too there are indeed continued sir payen some hereditary estates which though they should be mine are held by another and on that score i may claim your grace's assistance before i endeavour to recover them for i put my whole actions in your grace's hands that like a mere machine i may move but as you please which estates are these sir payen demanded wolsey with something very nearly approaching to a smile at the peculiar line of the knight's cupidity if they be truly yours doubt not but you shall have them they are those estates in cornwall replied the knight lately held by my cousin the earl de grey which have since passed to constance his daughter though by all custom of succession according to their tenure i hold them to pass directly in the male line nay nay sir payen cried wolsey with a curl of his lip this is too much constance de grey is my ward and shall not lose her estates lightly she is indeed added he thoughtfully and speaking to himself more than to the knight though not a word was lost to his attentive ears she is indeed somewhat wilful that letter in which she refuses to wed her cousin though calm and humble was full of rank obstinacy the fear of losing her estates however but we shall see sir payen i must hold my opinion suspended till such time as you lay before me some proofs of the matter and now tell me think you in this plot of buckingham's is there any other person of high rank implicated indeed there must be for he would never undertake such daring schemes without some sure abettors sir payen these lords are all too proud we must find means to humble them it may be as well to let this arch-traitor buckingham proceed for some short time till we find who are his accomplices but for this sir osborne maurice he shall to the tower to-night for therein is the king's life affected might it not be better in your grace's good judgment said sir payen to take the duke's person at once for assuredly as soon as he hears that his minion is committed he will become alarmed and find security in some foreign land he shall be so well watched said wolsey closing his hand tightly as if he grasped his enemy that were he no larger than a meagre ermine he should not escape me no we must let him condemn himself full surely but sir payen are you prepared to accompany me to richmond if by chance this maurice were to see me with your grace replied sir payen he would lose no time but fly instantly before you had speech of his grace the king if you think it necessary my lord that i should attend you it may be well to arrest the traitor immediately on your arrival nay 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 said wolsey shaking his head you know not henry sir payen he is hard and difficult to rule 
and were i to arrest sir osborne would take for insult what was meant as a service but you shall not go there is indeed no need these papers are quite enough and the testimony of the priest let him be sent down post-haste to richmond after me he shall my lord replied sir payan but one word more your grace if the duke of buckingham be condemned his estates of course are forfeited to the crown near me lies his beautiful manor of the hill in kent and i know your grace will not forget your faithful servants wolsey paused and sir payan went on to show how constantly present your grace is to all my thoughts you told me some time ago that you desired to have two of the tallest men in the realm for porters of the gate cast your eyes through that window my lord and i think you will see two that no prince in europe can match in his hall no service that sir payen could have rendered either to the state or to himself would have given half so much pleasure to wolsey as the possession of the two gigantic cornishmen we have before mentioned for amongst all his weaknesses his passion for having tall men about him was one of the most conspicuous as soon as for a moment or two he had considered them attentively through the window and compared them with the pygmy-looking race around he thanked sir payan with infinite graciousness for his care and hinted though he did not promise that buckingham's manner in kent might be the reward while he yet spoke a gentleman usher entered to announce that the barge was ready and giving some more directions to sir payan in regard to sending the priest wolsey rose to proceed on his journey the procession without which he never moved was already arranged in the antechamber consisting of marshals and gentlemen ushers with two stout priests bearing the immense silver crosses of the archbishopric and his legacy and the moment he moved towards the door the ushers pressed forward crying on before my lords and masters on before make way for the lord cardinal make way for for my lord's grace on before on before wolsey immediately followed and proceeded to his barge while sir payen returned to his own house in westminster and dispatched the priest to richmond after which he sat himself down to write what he did write consisted of but a few lines but they were of some import and as soon as they were finished he entrusted them to one of his shrewdest and most assured servants with many a long direction and many an injunction to speed. End of chapter twenty three.